It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. It is Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. This is the Guy Benson Show. Happy almost Thanksgiving, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here every day, every weekday, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's when you can listen live. You can also get the podcast for free should you miss any of it. That's also daily on demand, no charge. GuyBensonShow.com, our website, one-stop shop. GuyBensonShow.com, also wherever you get your podcasts, FoxNewsPodcast.com, always a good option there. Programming note, I'll be on special report tonight with Brett Bayer and company. I'm on the panel toward the end of the hour. If you're a Fox viewer, you know the drill. Looking forward to that conversation with that whole crew in the 6 p.m. Eastern hour Fox News channel tonight. Here's our lineup on the radio side today. Jesse Waters will be here in our New York studios coming up in just about half an hour. I have some plans on questions and topics, but one never knows with Jesse where we're headed. So Jesse Waters here later this hour. My friend Kelly Maher, you might remember her from the homegrown year, the farming experiment. She's got a Thanksgiving guide. We'll talk about that coming up in the next hour. Julie Banderas will be here, our Fox News colleague, in the final hour, the happy hour today. We will also have one final Thanksgiving-related food fight here at the show. They've been somewhat bruising this week, with producer Christine announcing that she's not serving turkey or mashed potatoes at her Thanksgiving dinner, which I don't even consider to be Thanksgiving. We will have one last battle about that. In the home stretch at the very end of the show today. One other thing I want to make you aware of coming up, not this hour, but next hour, we're going to open up the phone lines for a special Thanksgiving topic. We want to hear from all of you. We will ask you our question later on in the hour, but if you want to jot down the toll free telephone number right now, so you've got it right at your fingertips when you want to call in coming up a little bit later on, it is 833 456. 1300 833-456-1300. That's your connection here to the Guy Benson Show, and we will prompt you with a question, as I mentioned, coming up a bit later on. Fox News alert as we begin. COVID cases all in in the United States over the course of the pandemic, 47.8 million, which is a vast undercount. The death toll, 773,106. That's Americans. It's millions across the world, but in the U.S., over 773,000 Americans have died with or of COVID in the last 19 months. The Dow is up 184 points right now in the green, currently at 35,802 and counting. We'll keep an eye on that. As we get going here today, my opening monologue is about the creepy and frustrating endurance of COVID-related madness. 
I am someone who has been very pro-mitigation effort, especially at the beginning before there was a vaccine. We talked about mask wearing and washing your hands and social distancing and all of that stuff. We tried to follow the actual science and the actual data that we had. We've also been big advocates for vaccination, leading by example, myself, my family, my friends, all of it. We have doctors on the show all the time. I'm not someone who downplays COVID. And if you listen to this show, you know that I'm also someone who has been, especially I would say in the last six months, particularly in the post-vaccine existence era, who has been absolutely frustrated out of my mind at times by the decisions being made by the so-called experts and the public health establishment and a bunch of just little petty, tyrannical bureaucrats all over the country, where all they do, it seems, is move the goalposts ever so slightly and then ever so slightly again and ever so slightly again to the point where it's never quite good enough and they want to keep controlling how you can act, what you can do. And a lot of it is rooted not in the best science, not in the data, but based on, I don't even know what, like a magic eight ball. Do kids have to wear masks in schools? Shake the magic eight ball. It's possible. All right, let's make them do it. Who cares what they're doing in Europe and the UK? And it's working out fine for those kids. That data doesn't matter. Put the masks on the four-year-old. Put a double mask on just to be safe. I don't care if she can't breathe or she can't see. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And so there are a few new updates on this front that I want to bring to you. Let's start, of course, out in California, which is where it's like ground zero for insanity. In a lot of ways, we'll have a a story about the Bay Area and looting in Woke Tales later today. Here's an update from a local ABC7 affiliate out there. Santa Cruz County, California, has now reinstituted an indoor mask mandate. It is now in effect in Santa Cruz County. And listen to this. It covers private settings like a home. If you are in your home or in a home, together with other people who don't live in your immediate household, the county is requiring that you wear a mask inside at your house, regardless of vaccine status. You can take your mask off when eating or drinking. Again, because that's science, right? COVID stops. COVID pauses when the mask is off when you are eating or drinking. And then you put the mask back on because that's when COVID kicks back in again, right? In case you can't tell that I'm being sarcastic, that is not the science that is just completely made up. So if you're going over to Thanksgiving meal or just, you know, a a social event at your neighbor's house, you have to mask indoors, including at your own house, regardless, I'm going to repeat, of vaccination status. I don't know what some of these officials are trying to telegraph to people beyond we don't believe the vaccines really work. Now, the vaccines do work. They are immensely, immensely successful at preventing serious cases of COVID, hospitalizations, deaths. 
right? Those success rates are through the roof. It's like miraculously amazing how great the vaccines are in their efficacy at those things. Now, they are not as effective anymore as time wears on at preventing infections. They diminish the likelihood of infections. If you do get infected, it's a shorter, milder infection, as I experienced with my breakthrough. But the breakthrough cases are, I think, growing in frequency. We don't have great data on that, but a lot of the doctors I talk to say it's almost certain that that's the case, which is why they're encouraging boosters. But overall, the vaccines work. And when you tell people you've got to get fully vaccinated, but even if you are fully vaccinated, it doesn't matter. You have to wear a mask inside your own house at a social setting. People are going to rip off the masks and they are going to give up on you as a credible person. It's just a ridiculous thing to ask of people, especially with the little exception, the little caveat for eating and drinking. Inside your house. And by the way, penalties, they say, could be fines and or imprisonment. And can you imagine? Uh, Sir, we got a report that... uh... You weren't masked up in your house. Sally Johnson was over with her kids, and uh, you're going to have to come with us. So that's fun. Enjoy that, Santa Cruz County. Meanwhile, in New York City, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is back! Exclamation point! Asterisk. So it is back. The giant inflatable balloons and the floats and all the things and the lip syncing and, you know, the marching bands and whatever. It's back for Thanksgiving morning. That's something that people like to have on in the background when they're cooking and whatever. That's fine. It's a great tradition. The city has announced that the parade is expected to return with all its helium-filled pomp and corporate-branded holiday cheer with... An asterisk, writes the New York Times, children under 12 will not be allowed to participate in the parade itself. They will, however, be allowed as spectators along the two and a half mile parade route, as well as at the ceremonial inflation of the balloons Wednesday afternoon. Okay, let's walk through the science on this one. Just for some fun, just for uh, kicks and giggles, let's call it. Due to COVID, quote-unquote, if you're a nine-year-old child, you are deprived of the opportunity of being in the parade as a twirler or a flag waver or up on one of the floats or whatever. You can't have unvaccinated children participating in the parade, but you can have all sorts of unvaccinated anyone lining the parade route. Because shrug emoji for the life of me. I don't understand this decision at all. Now, first of all, it's all outside, so everyone's fine. It's all fine. Outdoors is the safest place you can be in a COVID context. We've known this forever, and still a lot of people don't seem to get it. Like, people just refuse to learn lessons. And unfortunately, a lot of those people are in charge of things. So you're outside, everything's fine, but you could have some unvaccinated COVID positive adult breathing out COVID outdoors. So it's probably not going to affect anyone if they're packed in with hundreds of other people right in their immediate vicinity lining the street. But if you're a nine-year-old, 
overwhelmingly safe from COVID. Kids don't die from COVID. Kids, by virtue of being kids, are effectively vaccinated by nature because they're kids. They don't go to the hospital. They don't die from COVID. There are very few, very tragic exceptions, but just like microscopic, vanishingly rare, statistically non-existent. But if you're in that age range, if you're that group, a child, in the parade where you actually are more likely to be socially distanced and you're also outdoors, nope, we can't have that. You got a crowd along the parade route. With all the people vaccinated and unvaccinated, you certainly cannot be up on a float outdoors, socially distanced because science reasons or something. That's New York City. By the way, in D.C., here in Washington, D.C., they've dropped the mask mandate indoors. That happened yesterday. Very exciting. There was no reason. There was no actual like metric like, oh, we achieved this. No, it's just like ah, Bowser didn't feel like it anymore. I guess she was tired of violating her own rules. So the uh, mask mandate's gone as of yesterday, but it's still in place in certain locations such as schools where it's really not useful or necessary, right? So bars and restaurants filled with adults, mask mandate gone. Schools where kids are safe anyway and have been going to school in many places for the last year and a half with no masks, with no problem, mask mandate remains in place because reasons, By the way, just across the river from New York City, where they're having the uh, no child participation Macy's parade in New Jersey, the governor there, Democrat Phil Murphy, who barely survived the election. Guess where he's going for Thanksgiving? Ron DeSantis is Florida. In fairness to Murphy, it's the safest place in the country right now. It's like like the lowest covid rates in the whole country down in Florida, whereas it's getting bad in other places like Michigan and elsewhere up north, almost as if the virus is seasonal. Another thing we've been saying, uh, you know, saying repeatedly while banging our head up against a wall for the last year. Last but not least on this front is from foxnews.com. Critics pan Thanksgiving advice in New York Times, that kids who aren't fully vaccinated should, quote, eat quickly. So there's like an advice column for science lovers, of course. Are they just bleeping love science so much that they write in the New York Times and say, hey, please give us help. What should we do with our family? The question was about a nine and a 10 year old. There are going to be 20 guests at this Thanksgiving. This is a person writes into the New York Times. We've got 20 guests. We're all vaccinated. All of the older people have got their booster shots. Everyone is fully vaccinated by all the definitions, except the 9 and 10-year-old who haven't been eligible yet. They're not vaccinated. What should they do? And the New York Times response here is, well, there is some concern about that. So have the kids in masks the whole time. And when they're eating, they should eat quickly. So now you've got the kids' table and the kids' timetable. Right, like a stopwatch. All right, kids, shovel the food in your mouth as quickly as possible. I wonder if there's a choking hazard there. I don't think they care. I mean, they just this is just made up. Everyone's fully vaccinated. The older adults are all boosted. They're like, no, keep your uh, nine-year-old in a mask the whole time. And when she eats, just shovel that food in as fast as humanly possible because science. Thank you, New York Times. What would we do without you? One more front 
on the COVID madness that I'll get to after the break. A soundbite from the CDC director that you need to hear. That's next. It's the Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. I'm Guy Benson. We are back. So I want you to hear this from the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. Asked on Boston Radio if the lockdowns worked. And just listen to this answer. This is the CDC director, Cut 25. Have you seen examples of this kind of focused protection work either, you know, other countries here in the United States at other times? Is this something that we know can work? Well, that's actually my biggest challenge with it is I think that this is what Sweden tried to do. This was their plan. What we know from Sweden is that their their death rate, their per capita death rate is is 591 per million. That rivals the United States at 593 per million to give you a sense of what lockdowns were able to do in other countries. And I mean really strict lockdowns. Um, In China, their death rate is three per million. So when you look at what Sweden was trying to do and what they are trying to emulate in Sweden, it didn't work. They were unable to protect them. So we can have the Sweden versus America approach debate, say it didn't work. I mean, it sounds like their deaths per million from COVID is actually a little tiny bit better than ours. And we had much more harsh lockdowns in a lot of other places versus what Sweden never had, which had all sorts of other you know, rippled effects, significant ones on mental health and well-being, physical health, the economy, jobs, and all of that. So the Sweden versus USA stuff is interesting. I don't think it necessarily proves the point that Walensky thinks it does. But notice what she cites as a success story of lockdowns. China, with their really strict lockdowns, really strict. I mean, they were welding people into their apartments. Remember that? But she says their uh, death rate is three per million based on what? 
based on CCP, Chinese Communist Party statistics that obviously are made up. Like the deaths just stopped. In- Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. China, because totalitarian governments make things up and they hide the truth. And here's the CDC director just spouting that number as if it's real. The naivete, the credulousness there is really worrisome. Jesse. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. I'm Guy Benson. We're back. GuyBensonShow.com, our website. Thanks for tuning in. We are joined now in our New York studios by Jesse Waters, co-host of The Five, host of Waters World every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. His book is How I Saved the World, a New York Times number one bestseller. Jesse, welcome back. Happy almost Thanksgiving to you. Thanks, Guy. You know, the only reason I agreed to do the show was because I thought I was going to be able to be in studio with you. Guy, the, well, I'm, I, I, only, I only said I'd do it because... I thought I would be with you, and now I'm not with you, and, you know, this sucks. Are you going to walk out? <laughs> Can we do the interview anyway? Fine. Under protest. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, duly noted. This is under duress, and he's not happy, but we're going to move forward anyway. I want to start with some of this Rittenhouse stuff. Kyle Rittenhouse appeared with Tucker Carlson last night. They really talked about a whole range of issues. In Cut 5, Rittenhouse reacted to... Joe Biden, the president, whose campaign had portrayed Rittenhouse as a white supremacist. Here's what the freshly acquitted Rittenhouse had to say with Tucker. Listen. Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. That's not a small thing to be called that. No, it's it's actual malice defaming my character for him to say something like that. Actual malice is the legal standard for a defamation lawsuit to succeed in the case involving a public figure. So I think that phrase, actual malice, that didn't come out of nowhere. My guess is uh, Kyle's having some conversations with some lawyers. And in fact, he said that's precisely what's happening in cut seven. I have really good lawyers who are taking care of that right now. Um, So I'm hoping one day there will be some there will be accountability for their actions that they did. Okay, so you're you're intent on not you're not going to let that go. Uh, Like I said, really good lawyers are handling that. So he had some really terrible lawyers at first, including that nut Lynn Wood, who he revealed treated him horribly. And then he got much better lawyers. He has gotten not guilty verdicts across the board. And now it sounds like he is entertaining the idea of defamation lawsuits against some people. Jesse, your reaction to the interview last night? Hunter Biden might have to sell some more paintings because Joe might have to pony up some dough. He's a legit lawsuit. He was slandered with malice. 
I would add, because you can't call someone a white supremacist with no evidence. Obviously, the facts were out there at the time when Biden said that. The video was out when Biden said that. So that was reckless disregard for the truth and defamed this kid who now his defense lawyer says he's going to probably have to change his name. And he's going to Arizona State next year. Good luck with that. You know, to some, he'll be a hero, but other people are going to want to knock his head off. So I don't see how he can go through life after this ever again. It's interesting that a a black militant sex offender with a felonious record mowed down, you know, at least 55 white people at a Christmas parade. And Joe Biden said he wanted to make sure the facts came out before he said anything. Yet two days after the incident in Kenosha happened, Joe Biden slandered Kyle Rittenhouse as a white supremacist murderer. So obviously, Guy, you know how the left rolls. If, if there's someone that's innocent of a certain color that they can exploit to pursue their radical agenda, they will. They don't care about the truth. They care about their plot line. But if something happens that kind of goes against the grain, they'll bury it. And that's why you don't even hear a lot from Joe Biden, Kamala, or the mainstream media about the situation well, they'll just, in Wisconsin. They'll make up a narrative, right? The narrative is set in advance, and they'll make up facts, quote-unquote, to fit it, even if it doesn't apply. For example, the racial component of the Rittenhouse shooting, which was just all white people, but they decided it was racial, which is why so many folks out there, including many journalists, apparently believe that there were black people who were shot. I mean, that's how deep the misinformation runs on this story. We talked about it on the show yesterday in particular. And actually, Jesse, since you brought up the media and sort of these these plot lines that they establish well in advance, I have gotten now two in the last 24 hours, two text messages from left-leaning friends who are genuinely surprised and confused about their preferred news organizations, basically memory holing what happened already, what happened in Waukesha on Sunday at the Christmas parade. Yeah. These are these are left leaning. One guy's very left. One guy is, I'd say, left of center. And these are, you know, CNN, New York Times, those types of people. And they're saying there were five people killed. There's, you know, kids in critical condition, dozens of victims, and it was a huge thing Sunday night with scant details on Twitter. And it is not completely gone, but it has been really pushed away and downplayed as a national news story. Now it's kind of like a local, a local curiosity to these news organizations. And I just had to almost say, you sweet, naive children, like, <laughs> yeah. I love you guys, but this is what they do. If the, and I, I hate saying this, but I think it's indisputable. If the driver of that SUV had been white or had been using a gun, right? A different weapon, different race, different narrative. This would be absolutely wall to wall. And we'd be having a massive national screaming fest about all sorts of you know, flaws and systemic racism and all this stuff. And I think people were chomping at the bit for that. And then it turned out that it didn't quite work the way they wanted it to. And it has been maybe not fully memory hold, but the level of coverage has dropped off so obviously, so brazenly, so precipitously that even my left-leaning friends are like, wow, this is sort of wild. 
It would be if you reverse the races, a mass casualty hate crime attack uh, at a Christmas parade. And you'd see this perpetrator's face everywhere. You'd see it on magazines. You'd see it on CNN and MSNBC. The nightly news would be leading with this day after day after day. We're not going to see this guy's mugshot guy. We're not going to hear about his social media posts. It's interesting that all of a sudden after he was arrested, his Facebook page was taken down. Now, I highly doubt he had an iPhone inside the, the jail and he deactivated his Facebook account. I, I highly doubt that he did that. It was done for him. And I got some screen grabs from it. And this guy's traffics in anti-capitalism, anti-white, anti-police content. I think I saw some anti-Semitism stuff in there too. There's some wild conspiracy, anti-Semitism, Hitler garbage that's chocked full of in there. there you know, it, it's almost like someone could you know create the perfect storm of a a, a black supremacist drug addled uh sex offender at large felony warrant out of Nevada got his uh 15 year old girl pregnant while he was pimping her at large and you can't make this stuff up and he's out on low bail because some very low bail after yeah, after hitting someone his else girlfriend with car. another vehicle. So this dopey DA lets him out because he's soft on crime and he wants to empty the prisons and it's kumbaya time. And and so this guy's just like a revolving door, puts him back out on the street. And now, you know, women and children and the elderly uh, are being pieced back together at the hospital. So this is a story that wouldn't go away for, for months possibly. I mean if this was – you reverse the races, this would be another January 6th. Well, it's Charlottesville. This would be right, Charlottesville. So- I mean, one person was driven over by a car in Charlottesville. You have five dead here, 48 injured, and you, they've memory hold it, as, you, as you've rightly pointed out. And again, it's it's coming from my left-leaning friends. When, when it's that obvious or it's that bl- so flagrant and blatant that even their own side is like, wow, that was a, a very quick heel turn. They did kind of the same thing on Steve Scalise and, and that shooting, right? Well, yeah, it's also it different. Like, it's also similar to what's happened with Rittenhouse because you've seen that people that watch the trial live because Fox aired it in full. And even CNN and MSNBC aired large chunks of it. And the people, even my mother and you know people on the other side of the aisle would see, you know, maybe this guy's not the Klansman, the killer Klansman that he was portrayed. This guy seems like he's genuinely heartbroken over what happened. He broke down emotionally on the stand, and the prosecution's getting their butts kicked by this judge for prosecutorial misconduct almost every single day of the last week of the trial. And, and then you see him go on Tucker. This kid seems open-minded. He seems like he's putting his thoughts together, like he's thought this thing through. Um, Janine said last night on The Five something that really struck me. He went from being a boy to a man this year. And you look at a kid like this and you think, you know, he went there to take down graffiti. He went to Kenosha to help out medically and put some fires out because, you know, he worked there. His father lived there. He didn't want these businesses burned down. And then he said, you know, he supported the the idea behind the Black Lives Matter movement. He wants 
black Americans, men and women, to have the equal justice that they deserve in the United States of America. And he, he was concerned of the fact that other black Americans that may have been railroaded by rogue prosecutors without the means that he had – remember, he was able to raise a lot of money and get some nice right. lawyers – would have been just hosed and and yeah, he locked about up that. and thrown away the key. And and that was the kind of really just smart, balanced thinking that everybody agrees with. You agree with that. I agree with that. Everybody agrees with that. And it, it just has really shocked the conscience of the country to see the deceit that's perpetrated through the mainstream media. Yeah, and also some of the culture warriors in pop culture. So Stephen Colbert, who's got his late night show on CBS, he did a monologue. And I mean, so many of these shows now are just like, political lectures like you find the humor in this I, I i defy you to do so he came out and talked about the rittenhouse verdict there was some sort of half-assed booing from the crowd about the verdict i guess they wanted uh you know guilty verdicts they didn't get it because that's not what the facts of the case would dictate but they're mad about it because you know it's a tribal thing at this point and colbert says if this was legal for him to do what he did, then we have to change the laws. And they all cheered like, you know, trained seals. Cut 32. Let's listen. Big news on Friday was that after being accused of crossing state lines, killing two people and wounding another last year during a Black Lives Matter protest, Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted on all counts. Okay. Yeah, okay. Cards on the table. I'm not a legal expert. So I can't tell you whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse broke the law. But I can tell you this. If he didn't break the law, we should change the law. Yeah, he's not. Some deep analysis there, Jesse. Not not a legal expert. And there's no way he watched the trial himself. So he doesn't know what he's talking about. Gutfeld said something interesting the other day, which he he never does. But it it, it piqued my interest. He said, you know, there (laughs) a lot of people on the left, like Joy, say this thing theoretically. Well, this if if Kyle was black, this never would have happened. And I thought to myself, okay, let's let's create a scenario. So black militants are burning down a neighborhood, let's just say in Brooklyn, right? They're burning it down. They're burning down cars, they're looting, they're 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 assaulting people, store owners. And 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 a black Kyle Rittenhouse goes out because one of the small business owners, black small business owner, called him there to protect the property. And Kyle goes out and uh, black Kyle has a gun and 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 people start and and black uh, protesters start assaulting black Kyle. And the same thing happens that we see on video. Everything is on video. Perpetrators are black, black Kyle and and black Kyle shoots these people in self-defense and is able to raise a lot of money to defend himself. And the trial is national and it, and it is streamed and people see it. I would I, I would bet. I would bet $10,000 that a black Kyle Rittenhouse defending himself in the same way against uh, black perpetrators in the same context would have been found not guilty. And you and me and every fair-minded person in the country would have said, good, if you are under attack like that and you have to use self-defense in order to save your life, good. We want self-defense preserved in the court system in this country. So to to say that if Kyle was black, it never would have gone that way. Of course it would have gone that way. And we would have been thrilled. The judicial system would have been able to see that without black or white in there, just as a pure self-defense case. As a number of juries have in recent months. Yes. 
uh, with black defendants who use successfully a self-defense defense. And that's what the jury also saw in Wisconsin. Look, uh, Jesse, I want to lighten things up a little bit and talk a bit about Thanksgiving and wish you a very happy Thanksgiving courtesy of MSNBC and Jayasi <laughs> Ross, who has some thoughts about Thanksgiving yeah. as we all prepare to gather and eat with friends and family. Let's share this warm moment together. Cut 30. Instead of bringing stuffing and biscuits, those settlers brought genocide and violence. (laughs) That genocide and violence is still on the menu as state-sponsored violence against Native and Black Americans is commonplace. And violent private white supremacy is celebrated and subsidized. From Stone Child Chief Stick to Mike Brown to Renee Davis to Breonna Taylor to Eric Gardner, Indigenous and Black people are still being murdered by those paid to protect us. From Ahmaud Arbery to Trayvon Martin, white Americans Americans are still killing Native and Black Americans with no fear of reprisal. They brought chattel slavery to Africans and Native people. That still happens through the prison industrial complex that imprisons the descendants of enslaved Africans and Natives at far disparate numbers. That is the reality of Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Jesse. Yeah, please pass the mashed potatoes guy. This guy, who runs... NBC is it Comcast? They control Brian Roberts, the C- CEO of Comcast. They got to let some of these people go. I don't see how anybody wants to turn on TV and watch that before the holidays. That's disgusting, and it's also factually inaccurate. The the, the settlers did not bring slavery to to blacks. Slavery has been around since the beginning of time. It's been around in all continents. The the Native Americans held slaves. The Aztecs and the Incas had slaves. There were slaves also, within the African continent. And more modern, uh, in the more modern context, comparing what happened with Michael Brown to Breonna Taylor, I mean, these are not even remotely close to the same, but they're just thrown God, in there it, into that Jeremiah. I mean, My only disagreement, Jesse, is yes. I think some people do want to watch this. They do want to see this, apparently. They tune into MSNBC where they get it mainlined, and CNN is like kind of trying to play catch-up and failing uh, it's it's sort of depressing that there is an appetite there, that there's an appetite for this, and it's also depressing that we're up on a break. And I have to take it, Jesse Waters, because <laughs> we could keep going. I wish we could, Jesse Waters of the Five and Waters World. In all sincerity, thanks for joining us. Sorry we're not in studio together this time, but have a great Thanksgiving. We'll do it next time. Happy Thanksgiving, guy. Jesse Waters on the Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. We are back on the Guy Benson Show. Okay, it's time for your phone calls. 833-456-1300. Here's the question ahead of Thanksgiving. Specifically, what is one thing that you are especially thankful or grateful for in your life, for your family's life, over the last year? Gratitude is important. Thanksgiving is an opportunity to express and share gratitude. There's a lot to be thankful for. We want to hear from you. What specifically in the last year are you and your thank, uh, your family thankful for? Call us, 833-456-1300 at The Guy Benson Show. 833-456-1300. 
gratitude from all of you when we come back a brand new hour. Stay with us. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Kai Benson Show. A new hour here on the Guy Benson Show. We are underway. We are live. Thank you for listening. How it's now, uh, let's see, two days off from Thanksgiving? We are getting very close. Tuesday ahead of the Thursday on the Guy Benson Show. Our website, GuyBensonShow.com. The podcast is always free of charge. I'll be on special report tonight on the panel. Hope you will tune in for that with Brett Bayer and that whole team in the 6 p.m. hour Fox News Channel. Fox News alert here as we begin hour number two. The Dow closes in the green today, up 194 points, closing at 35,813. So as I mentioned at the very end of the last hour, we want to take some of your phone calls. And our phone number here, toll free at The Guy Benson Show, is 833-456-1300. 1300. And the question for the audience is, what are you thankful for over the last year? Something specific for you or your family. It could be related to work or a job. It could be related to something in your family or a family dynamic. It could be related to your health. It could be related to something that you're passionate about. I think this week Every year in particular, we should really lean into the thanks in Thanksgiving. Gratitude is very important. In fact, my father sent me in the commercial break at the top of the hour an article from a few years ago from Psychology Today. And the headline is, Seven Scientifically Proven Benefits of Gratitude. Gratitude is actually healthy for you. Aside from just being, I think, good and the right thing to do, being a grateful person, counting your blessings, identifying them, even speaking them out loud, expressing gratitude, it's good for your physical health. It's good for your mental health. And Thanksgiving is an all-American holiday built around the concept of thanks and gratitude. Part of the reason why it's my favorite holiday, as I say over and over again. Our phone number here, 833-456-1300. Let's do some gratitude together. I want to hear from you. Why are you thankful this year? 833-456-1300. Let's begin with Deb in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Deb, I'm so glad you're listening, and I'm so glad you called. Thank you, Guy. Thank you so much to be grateful for this year, despite everything, but mostly for... Being cancer-free after a breast cancer diagnosis in February, so God is very good. Oh, my goodness. So you were diagnosed at the beginning of the year with breast cancer, and you're now cancer-free. Did I hear that right? Yes, I am cancer-free due to the the great medical facilities down here in Jupiter, Florida, and my wonderful doctors and the grace of God. Oh, my gosh. 
That is, I mean, what a way to begin this segment. A cancer-free diagnosis. What was that like when you saw your doctor or got off the phone with your doctor, however it was communicated, that your test came back clean? It was great relief because it was just through a normal routine examination that the cancer was diagnosed. So I wasn't expecting the diagnosis. And you hear the word cancer and it just kind of paralyzes you until you take a deep breath and move on so you can let's rectify this and get it done with. So I have great surgeon, great radiology, and great oncology. And yes, it was a great relief and very celebratory. Well, Deb... That is just a wonderful story to hear. Happy Thanksgiving. It really, I can imagine that word really, as scary as it is, can drive home how precious and special life is, especially around the holidays with your family and your friends. We're so thrilled that you're listening. We're so thrilled that you got that great news. Uh, Have a great Thanksgiving, Deb, and thank you for calling. Thanksgiving to you. God bless. God bless. 833-456-1300. Wow. You don't have to top that. Right? You don't have to top it with uh, you know, a, a, a cancer-free diagnosis. That is amazing. It can be things really big like that or small. That's the beauty of gratitude. 833-456-1300. Let's see. Let's go to Lori in Sacramento, California. Lori, you're on The Guy Benson Show. Hi, Guy. Great to talk to you again. Um, I wanted to let you know about my daughter, Karen. She quit her management job after I had open heart surgery in November of 2017. And she has stayed home to take care of me ever since. Created her own business, so she's not destitute. But she is just an amazing daughter. And her boyfriend is an amazing boyfriend. Wow. So you are thankful for your daughter and her boyfriend who have really taken care of you through some really tough times. And uh, that's what family is for. That's what Thanksgiving is for. Are you going to be spending Thanksgiving with them? Yes, I am. Oh, well, that's what a blessing. Oh, well, that's I mean, good luck. (laughs) It's wild out there right now, the Tuesday before the Thursday. But it's great to hear from you, Lori. I'm glad that you are that you're feeling well and that your daughter is there for you. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving, Lori. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Guy. I really appreciate it. 833-456-1300. Thanksgiving. Let's give thanks. Why are you grateful this year? What's happened in your life in the last year? That has allowed you to count that as a blessing in your life. It can be anything of huge magnitude or not. 833-456-1300. Toll free here at the Guy Benson Show. Let's see. Francis is in North Carolina, the Tar Heel State. Welcome, Francis. Hey, Guy. I'm thankful for you and your show. I'm a first-time caller because I listened to you out on my runs. Um, and I usually listen to the recording the day before. So I just tried. I'm at the end of my run. I'm so thankful for friends, family, and freedom, but especially listening to your show and uh, help, you helping me get through my run. It's beautiful. Oh, today. my gosh. Beautiful. 
Oh, well, that means so much to me. That is so delightful for you to say. I'm very impressed. At the end of a run for me, I am unable to speak to anyone for about 15 minutes. So the fact that you're calling us up, you're like barely out of breath. I'm very impressed. You must be in great shape. And hopefully uh, the show helps you pick up that pace while you're out there every day listening to the podcast. That is awesome. Thank you, Francis. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. I promise we didn't plan that. That's so that's awesome. Thank you, Francis. That means a lot. I'm smiling. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Why are you thankful this year specifically? Don is in Illinois, my former home state. Don, welcome to the Guy Benson show. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Guy. I'm a first-time caller. My thankfulness goes back actually a year and two months. Uh my youngest son who's been in the Marine Corps 8 years, uh, was in Beirut, Lebanon, when that blast went off. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, he was about a 1,000 yards away from it when it went off. He was in an armored suburban vehicle going to the embassy. Wow. And he made it. Buildings were falling down around him. And he almost didn't make it out of Lebanon. The reason he didn't almost make it out of Lebanon, and people in the United States have never heard this story, uh, he was considered an Israeli diplomat because he was in Israel for a year. And the Hezbollah terrorist group owns that and runs the airport over there. And they actually own the newspaper. They put my name, my son's name, in the newspaper and actually blamed him for the blast and almost did not make it out of Lebanon. And there's still not really the, – the government there has never really given an explanation for that massive explosion just over a year ago in Beirut. But I, I am taking it, Don – that he did make it out and that he is okay? He did make it out when he got back to Quantico, Virginia. His colonel called him into his office and says, that's a badge of honor. You was on a terrorist hit list and you made it out. Nobody makes it out. You cannot never go back there. Well, please thank your son for his service. We are so glad to hear that he's okay. And that would be a big one when it comes to giving thanks. Don, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for your phone call. And I could hear the emotion in your voice, obviously. I mean, how can you not how could you not feel that way about your own son? Thank God he's okay. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Why are you thankful this year? Megan is in Buffalo, New York. Megan, welcome. Thank you so much, Guy. How are you? I'm very well. Good. So this year, I'd say, I mean, I'm thankful every day, but I'm thankful to be a proud patriot in this country. Um, I'm thankful to be free for our freedom. And I'm also thankful, I'm sorry, I'm a little emotional. I'm um, a mom, and my daughter is turning one on Black Friday. So I'm just very thankful to have her in our life. Yeah, very excited. What's her first name? Her name is Harlow. Harlow. And she was born almost a year ago. Can you believe that it's been a year? I feel like year one of parenting is probably quite a roller coaster. It is. It's insane. She was born on Thanksgiving, so I had my turkey dinner um, during quarantine in the hospital. So this year we're able to be home and cook (laughs) dinner as a family and be with my parents. So I'm very excited. Oh, we love that. Well, Megan, thank you for listening. Our best to your daughter. Have a great, great Thanksgiving, okay? Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving, Guy. Take care. You too. Megan on The Guy Benson Show. I want to hear from you. 833-456-1300. Toll free. 833-456-1300. What are you grateful and thankful for 
over the last year or so. As I said, gratitude, I think, is it's a big part of my life. It's good for you. It's good for the soul. And this is the time of year where I think we should really think and talk about it. Tell us your story. 833-456-1300. More of your calls as soon as we come back on The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. I'm Guy Benson. We're back. Our phone number here at the Guy Benson Show, 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. The calls are pouring in on thankfulness and gratitude. And I want to get to as many of them as I possibly can in the remainder of this segment. So let's get going. Lisa, Michigan, you're up first this segment. Thanks for calling, Lisa. Hi. Hi. So what are you thankful for this year? I'm thankful for my four boys. They've made my life amazing, and they're all adults, and I love them with all my heart. I'm thankful for that. Four boys. That's a handful, but it sounds like they're, uh, they're out and about in the world now, and uh, family is the most important thing. Lisa, that's fantastic. Thank you for calling. 833-456-1300. Sarah is in Idaho. Sarah, great to have you here. Thanks for calling. Guy, we just wanted to say we're thankful for having you guys to set the record straight with all the negative that's going on in the world today and all the facts you give us is makes us very grateful and very thankful to have you. Oh Well, well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I know that's what we try to do here every day. Uh, it's sometimes hard. Things are crazy, but we wouldn't be here without you. That's one of my number one pieces of gratitude every year is this audience and working here. It's a real honor. Thank you, Sarah, for listening. 833-456-1300. Jimmy in Virginia. Jimmy, you're on. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I just Thanksgiving. Want to say that I'm real grateful because my son came down with leukemia in March. He went into remission in September. We found wow. a 10% uh, well, actually 10 for 10 on uh, a match and he goes in after Thanksgiving right after for his bone marrow. Uh, wow. God blessed us. We're so happy. That is amazing. Our very best to you and your family and your son. May that uh, continue to be the case that he's in remission and beat cancer. That's great to hear, Jimmy. Really encouraging. Thank you so much for the call. 833-456-1300. Perk is in Maryland, just up the road from here. Perk, welcome. Hey, how you doing? I am so thankful that I'm not going to Cookie's Thanksgiving Massacre. I mean, dinner. <laughs> well played. Well played. And I'm going to give her a hard time about that again later for people who have no idea what you're talking about. Christine and her ridiculous, quote-unquote, Thanksgiving feast. Oh, that's good, Perk. Thanks for the call. Thank you for listening. 833-456-1300. I'm also grateful for that, come to think of it. 833-456-1300. John is on the line from Florida. John, welcome to the Guy Benson Show. How are you, sir? I'm thankful for being able to get out of New York and buy a beautiful home at Port St. Lucie. God smiled upon me, and I was able to get out before it got worse. 
Well, congratulations and a beautiful house in a free state. And I hope that you have a great, warm Thanksgiving down there in Florida. John, thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. 833-456-1300. What are you thankful for? Jerry is in Arkansas. Jerry, welcome. Hi. Hi, Guy. I am thankful for you guys for one thing, because you you bring us the truth um, versus all of the other media, and we love that. But I also want to say that I'm so grateful for my family. I have a wonderful, supportive husband, and uh, just God has blessed us immensely. I'm thankful for our Lord and Jesus Christ, and uh, I am a blind woman. Um, I'm sitting here in my kitchen. I've made, um, this is my third thing of dressing and three things of, of pecan pies and and all kinds of stuff and I'm oh just, wow um, I'm great <laughs> well that sounds that sounds absolutely delicious and Jerry that is such a beautiful phone call and we're so glad that we are here for you every day thank you for listening thank you for calling us have a great Thanksgiving and now I'm getting a little hungry hearing about uh, all that cooking you're doing down there in Arkansas we really appreciate it Jerry Let's see. Jared is in Illinois. Jared, you're on. It's the Guy Benson Show. Hey, how's it going, guys? Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, Thank you. I am thankful for... It's been a a hard year. Uh, I lost my dad uh, in May, and I lost my mom right there in June. Oh, my gosh. And back-to-back, yeah, it was pretty shocking. Um... But I'm thankful uh, for being able to be there for my dad, hold his hand while he took his last breath. And I was also uh, thankful for doing the same with mom uh, in the hospital, being able to hold her hand while she took her last breath and make sure they didn't go alone and they went peacefully and comfortably and it's just been a really hard time, been a really hard year, but you know, there's still a lot to be thankful for. Wow. And for you to find the gratitude in that is just moving. I'm sorry so much for your loss, but I'm sure uh, they were grateful to have you, their son, there uh, to be with them as they were, you know, f- facing eternity. That's, that is really something. Well, that's a great call. And I, we're up on this break, so we've got to take it. I, there's a caller out in California grateful for his job. I am right there with you, sir. I'm very grateful for this job, and I wouldn't have it if not for this great team. Our bosses here at Fox who let me be on the air every day, and all of you who listen. Also, I see a listener in Atlanta, 106.3 Extra Country, who just got out of the hospital. Grateful for that. We are too, sir. Feel better. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. But we're not done. We're halfway through the show. Much more to come. It is The Guy Benson Show, and we will be right back with Woke Tales. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. It's the Guy Benson Show, halfway through on this Tuesday, short week, Thanksgiving week. I saw a cartoon from The New Yorker, which is a boss addressing his whole team at the conference table at an office saying, all right, folks, we've got 
A very short week here for the holidays. So everyone get out there and pretend like you're doing something for three days. <laughs> I think some people might be able to relate. It's time for Woke Tales. Woke Tales. So we talked about this briefly yesterday. There's an update. And the story is mass looting and crime in the Bay Area, where the prosecutors have basically decided to decriminalize crime, and the criminals have noticed and therefore done more crimes. Now, if you can get away with lots of crimes, even if you get caught, likelihood low that you will, you'll be fine. You probably won't be prosecuted because progress and equity. So crime has soared. Shoplifting all over the place. Walgreens, CVS is closing because they just can't handle the explosion of brazen shoplifting every day. Uh, You know, burglaries all over the place. Smash and grabs with cars. That is a real problem in San Francisco. Muggings. It's bad. It's really bad. And this is what the DA out there, Chisa Bodine, the son of domestic terrorists, literally, This is what he has wrought. This is what he wants. This is his policy. In fairness to him, it was also his campaign. And the people said, yes, we want this. Let's do this. Let's decriminalize crime. Not going well. And now he's facing a recall. People aren't happy. And now he's trying to pretend like he's outraged by the outcomes that he has caused and incentivized. Here's what's happened just in the last few days. There were three consecutive days of completely out of control mass looting events in the Bay Area. So on Friday, uh, dozens of people just overwhelmed a Louis Vuitton store and made off with many thousands of dollars of merchandise. That was downtown San Francisco Friday. Then on Saturday, more than 80 people This is USA Today. Stormed and robbed a Nordstrom in California Saturday night. The robbery was over within minutes as thieves armed with crowbars and wearing ski masks streamed out of the Nordstrom into dozens of cars lining the block. So the getaway cars were all just right there waiting. One employee was pepper sprayed. Two were punched and kicked. So we've got some assault in here, too. Remember, they always say, oh, these stores They all have insurance, ignoring the underinsurance issue, the fact that insurance does not pay for everything, the fact that people having their workplaces ransacked or in some of these riots, their businesses torched, has a massive impact on them. And a bunch of these elitist leftists just sort of sniff at this problem. Oh, there's insurance. This is just an expression, a cry against injustice. Everyone needs to calm down. Well, of course, when you have chaos and lawlessness, you get violence as well. It's not a victimless crime. In this case, you've got assaults. We've seen people killed, arson, other things. When you downplay crime or excuse it or justify it, you get more of it. And it's not just the okay, quote unquote, kind of crime that you think is fine. That's one of the lessons of the last year and a half. And I think there's been needed intense blowback against this really out-of-touch, outrageous, sneering elitism that's effectively pro-crime. Although once it starts hurting those people directly and they start seeing it, then they seem to become a little bit less enamored. Isn't that strange? 
So that was Saturday. How about Sunday, the very next day? This would be day three of this out in the Bay Area. Looters targeting Bay Area businesses struck again Sunday evening with smash-and-grab thieves hitting a mall in Hayward, California. It was the third day in a row that large mobs of robbers went after retailers in the region. Forty to 50 looters wielding hammers and other tools looted Sam's Jewelers, breaking glass cases and quickly fleeing. Employees were screaming inside, screaming in fear. Meanwhile, in San Jose, this is yet another instance on Sunday, this Sunday evening, police said a group of suspects entered Lululemon in Santana Row and took merchandise, fleeing before the police arrived. So why do I put all of this in the bucket of woke tales? Well, I think when you have woke prosecutors decriminalizing crime, that translates into being pro-crime. They have done this. Yes, the criminals are responsible, but so are the so-called authorities. But it becomes an official full-blown woke tale story with this headline from ABC7 out in San Francisco. Experts caution against use of looting in describing the rash of Bay Area robberies. So here we have, thank God for experts, that these experts just weigh in at all times. I put experts in quotes much of the time, where people either invent their expertise or appeal to their alleged expertise just to boss people around. And also the experts, and I believe in expertise, I believe in actual knowledge and data and science and that sort of thing. But I also know, and we've all learned, that a lot of the alleged so-called experts have gotten a lot of things very wrong, which is why Americans, in many cases, do not simply bow to expertise at every turn, much to the chagrin of the experts. But here are the experts admonishing the rest of us. Don't call it looting. Now, I actually don't necessarily disagree. Looting, you think of an out-of-control riot and buildings on fire, people rushing in and taking things during mass unrest, which, I will add, is also terrible, wrong, bad, and inexcusable. This is much more akin to organized mass crime with getaway cars and everything like that. If that's the argument, let's not call that looting because it's a different criminal phenomenon. Fine, but that is not what the experts are telling us. Quote, looting is a term that we typically use when people of color or urban dwellers are doing something. We do not use that term for other people when they do the exact same thing. To be clear, we don't know the identities or races of the majority of the thieves involved in this crime wave. So it's racist to use the word looting because it's people of color and urban dwellers. But in this case, we don't know what color the looters are, but we're just going to assume it's racist anyway, which strikes me as a little bit racist, actually. So we can't say woke. We can't say looting. The list goes on and on. And I'm wondering, when will we finally defund the language police? That's Woke Tales, and this is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. 
Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Thanksgiving week on The Guy Benson Show, and part of the great thing surrounding Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday, of course, is not just the food, not just the family, not just the football, but a fourth good F word, friends. And one of my dear friends, who I have not seen in far too long, but she has joined us on this program several times in the last year and a half, is Kelly Maher from RealBestLife.com. You might remember her homegrown challenge where she farmed for a year and survived off of her farm. Things that she grew or animals that she raised, eggs, the meat, etc., from her farm for a full calendar year. And she did it during the pandemic. She had four cheat meals the entire year. There were certain rules about bartering. We discussed it on the show. We got quite a lot of feedback. People were fascinated by this challenge, but she pulled it off. And she felt better and healthier than ever at the conclusion of that year. And now she rejoins me, free from the shackles of all the rules, but getting ready for Thanksgiving. And Kelly, hello, love. Welcome back. How are you? I am doing very well. I hope to see you when I'm out in Colorado in December. We will have to coordinate that, hopefully. I do want to ask you about last Thanksgiving, when you were still under all the strictures of homegrown year, versus this Thanksgiving. Compare and contrast for us, please. So last year was, it was a tough Thanksgiving, mostly just because of the pandemic, I think. Uh, You know, my in-laws are are older, and at that point, vaccines were not available. So we stayed home, and uh, as you know, you have met him, my bird dog, Oxley, uh, he took care of my stash of turkeys uh, just a few weeks before Thanksgiving because I bought turkeys that were heritage birds and did not realize that they could fly as effectively into a dog pen as they did. So I ended up having deer for Thanksgiving last year. Venison, if you will. Yeah, yep. I had deer. Venison. Because and, uh, your dog had the, eaten the turkeys. I did not we're, get we're, turkey because the dog ate the turkeys. Weren't you also growing attached to your turkeys? Yep. Sure was. And So were you planning on sparing them anyway and then the dog got them? Yeah, the plan, the plan was maybe to have a single turkey and then they all flew over the fence. And only two, only two lived, didn't fly. Apparently they were watching the other ones and were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't fly over there. And uh, so I had two left, one male, one female, fortunately. So I kept both of them so that I could keep their eggs and breed them. And now we have plenty of turkeys this year. Okay, so you're having more homegrown turkey, if you will, but you actually can eat turkey. What about the fixins? Were you able to do the fixins last year or some of them? Your husband and your kids, were they able to eat normal Thanksgiving oh. while you were eating venison? Yeah, or they, had, they had a great Thanksgiving last year. I actually did fairly well. 
we pulled out some of the corn that we grew and put it in a grain mill. Uh, and so I made a cornbread and then I very um, lightly sauteed some onions from the garden in goat butter and I did that with venison. So that was my meal. And then the boys had a pretty traditional meal. Um, and I, I also had some potatoes that I grew. Potatoes grow fairly well here. So it's not actually going to be that different uh, this year because we also did grow our own turkey this year as well. So you have... I mean, if you think about if you think about a farm meal, it's really largely Thanksgiving fare. Right? Yeah, that actually makes sense. Right. There are other meals that would be a lot trickier. Thanksgiving, a lot of it can be grown, and you have proven that. You do have on your website, realbestlife.com, a premium Thanksgiving guide. Explain what this is. Yeah. So this every year I'm the person who makes the Thanksgiving meal. And so um, actually per our last conversation, you know, I'm, I'm working on the book. I am doing it, guy. Excellent. Um, but I went ahead and started a Substack, which is like the thing that all aspiring writers are doing. And as part of it, I created what is called a printable, which is literally just a PDF, right, for our premium subscribers to be able to kind of work through their Thanksgiving meal. It includes my shopping list, which, of course, you know me, includes really good orange juice and some very terrible sparkling wine for mornings with your in-laws, but it includes a sample schedule, tips on how to cook a turkey, how to make gravy. It also includes my Grammy's green bean casserole recipe and uh, my fam- my family's, my Aunt Mimi's Kentucky pecan pie. So That also sounds delicious. Uh, two questions yep. that are prompted from that last answer. Number one, you said you do the cooking for Thanksgiving. Your husband is a very good cook. Does he not participate? Is this is your show, basically? This is this is my one show. Mark okay. loves to cook, but this is this is my one day that is all me. And I get up at six because turkey is actually best if you put it in the oven at room temperature. So you need to pull it out an hour before you plan on even putting it in the oven. And for some reason this is the one meal a year that dinner is at noon, which I don't understand, but... Okay, you know. so that was my next question. What time do you eat Thanksgiving dinner? Because I was having, uh, shall we say, a fairly cordial dispute with Adam about this just yesterday. And I have oh. a strong feeling about this. You have now, I think, thrown out a third option. You eat Thanksgiving at noon? Yeah, but we're hunters, so we have to nap and then wake up and then hit the field before sundown. Oh, so you go hunting after you eat? Yeah. Oh, no, once the eating begins at our house, it is over. There is no activity (laughs) after that. You should not plan on going anywhere aside from the couch. That is what we Uh, do. So I have lived this, guy. Remember the last time I was at your house and ate and then just, like, fell onto the couch and didn't think I was going to get up again? Yeah, it was for yeah. the best that you just stayed put right there for quite some time. Uh, yep. It's wonderful. Now, for me, and this has always been the case, Thanksgiving dinner is late afternoon, like 3 to 4 p.m. 
is when we sit down for dinner. We have snacks and appetizers earlier, but the actual, you know, carving of the turkey and fill up your plate, let's just say 3.30 p.m. on average. Adam thinks it should be like a real dinner time, like 6 o'clock or later, which I think is wrong. I think that you have – you at least start your Thanksgiving meal with the sun still out. That is my experience, and I'm – we might have to ask the rest of the team here because now we have a noon – a mid-afternoon, and an evening answer. I believe that most Americans eat mid-afternoon. I could be wrong about that. That is my understanding of what is normal. Maybe I am just wildly out of touch. But I don't think so. I'm a man of the people. I understand. I'm a finger on the pulse of America. That's what I do here. And I think that mid-afternoon is what Americans do. Yeah, no, I think think you're probably right. We eat at noon just because we have things to do and half of the family passes out and watches football and the other half goes out and looks for pheasants so okay i would be in the football half of that family very quickly why at what time is thanksgiving dinner it's about one or two one or two okay we're getting wildly different answers here christine what time is thanksgiving dinner 1 p.m on the dot Dan, Overlock, what time is Thanksgiving dinner? 2 p.m. sharp. 2 p.m. sharp. Okay, so we have a wide array between noon and 6, the average of which I'm going to point out is 3. So I'm going to say I'm correct. This should be a poll. We're going to put this poll on Twitter. At Guy Benson Show, go vote. We'll give you a few different options, and we'll see what America truly believes. Kelly Maher realbestlife.com my life will get even better when i see you next hopefully next month give a big hug to your whole family especially your wallaby and we love you dearly happy thanksgiving love you too final hour of the guy benson show coming up News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. It is a pre-Thanksgiving happy hour. On the Guy Benson Show, welcome in, one and all. Glad to have you here. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. The podcast, growing in popularity. We just learned that it grew yet again last month. Thank you. We appreciate it. Let's keep it rolling. GuyBensonShow.com. Also, the happy hour sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink, which is just so good. So refreshing. We will have some over the Thanksgiving weekend. We are stocked, loaded, ready. TheLongDrink.com is their website. You can see where they're sold near you. You can order online, thelongdrink.com. Always drink responsibly, 21 plus only, please and thank you. We are joined now in studio up in New York by our colleague, Julie Banderas, Fox News Channel anchor. You can follow her on Twitter, at Julie Banderas. I just followed her on Instagram recently, 
after I realized my massive oversight, having not followed her previously. It's good stuff. Excellent content. Welcome back to the show, Julie. Hey, how are you? I am doing very well. I have many Thanksgiving-related questions and parenting-related questions, but I was wondering if I could first run something past you, a story that I didn't get to in the last hour that I kind of wanted to. It has to do with history and political correctness and wokeness. Does that sound doable? Oh, I love wokeness. Sure. Hit me. (laughs) So we actually have a segment that we have recurring on the show. It's called Woke Tales, and it's sort of like a tip of the cap to DuckTales. Did you ever watch DuckTales growing up? Not really, no. that wasn't. I was more into Winnie the Pooh and Tom and Jerry. Oh, Winnie the Pooh, yes. Mm-hmm. Tom and Jerry, marginal. Oh, God, but you've heard of DuckTales. Have yes. you heard the DuckTales theme song before? Um, are you going to play it for me? Because I'm not sure. We're, we're going to play the Woke Tales theme song. Oh, Here's perfect. the jingle. Woke Tales, Does that ring a bell? Yes, I have heard that theme. Not the Woke Tales version until now, but yes, I have. There we go. So this is our version, uh, Woke Tales. (laughs) And you live in New York. This is why I wanted to make sure we got to it, because it just made my skin crawl yesterday. And we had discussed when this had been voted on, and now it actually occurred. I want people to recognize that this is not just theoretical. These things are happening. New York City, the city council chambers, city hall, they have removed a statue of Thomas Jefferson. Because of his connection hundreds of years ago to the slave trade, they decided that was an affront to anyone in the city who's a person of color and they shouldn't be honoring Thomas Jefferson, a founding father who wrote the Declaration of Independence. And so TJ is out. And the thing is, Julie, and this is a callback, when we were having a big debate in this country a few years ago over Confederate statues and Mm -hmm. monuments, and I was much more open to that, saying, you know, do we need to honor traitors, right? And, and I understand people in the South, some people disagree. That's my view of it. I don't necessarily think we should be having mobs tear these things down. I think we can have a legitimate conversation, debate about it, maybe put some of them in museums or whatever. However, one of the counterpoints was if we start erasing history or taking things down, it will be quote-unquote problematic founding fathers who come next, like Washington, Lincoln, who's not a founding father but a great American president, mm-hmm. Jefferson, who is a founding father, President Trump actually warned about this, and he was fact-checked. A bunch of people in the media were like, oh, that's ridiculous. The slippery slope argument is totally absurd. This is fear-mongering to justify whatever. And here we are not very long after that prediction, I'd say an easy one, by Trump and others, and they are taking Washington's name off of schools, Jefferson's name off of schools, and the city hall in New York City has now rid itself of the evil that is Thomas Jefferson, a statue in his honor. To me, it's it's exactly what the critics predicted. This is a case of Democrats trying to rewrite history, and they are doing so successfully. Not only are they removing a Thomas Jefferson statue, which, by the way, sat in City Hall after 187 years. 187 years, none of us have been alive that long. We need to be reminded as to what was here in our country before we arrived, before we made changes. Sure, Thomas Jefferson didn't do certain things that, you know, nowadays would be acceptable, but that is part of our history. That's where we have arrived today. And the fact that there was never a public discussion, there was never a vote about it. New Yorkers were never really given an option or not whether to remove that from City Hall is is a disgrace. And I think it's just Democrats trying to play to the hyper-woke left, uh, if you will, uh, uh, that, that this is unacceptable. What's unacceptable is is the 
the practice of rewriting history, erasing history. And it's not just the Thomas, and, Thomas Jefferson statue. It's in the schools. I mean, history books are literally being rewritten and they are omitting critical race theory, which is something we talk about a lot here on Fox and on the radio. Critical race theory, it is part of our history. Our children need to understand right from wrong, right? They need to understand racism is wrong. Why is racism wrong? Well, let's 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 explain this to your children that there used to be a thing called slavery. And at the time, it was okay. It's no longer okay. By erasing it all, we're not teaching the wrongs of our history in order to make the future a brighter place because our our, our children and our public are, are being whitewashed. And it's just, it's a shame. Yeah. And I think that on the, what's taught in schools front, whether it's, you know, looking back at Jim Crow, right. looking back at slavery, other dark chapters in our history, I think every conservative agrees we should teach all of that stuff. The good, the great, the bad. That's the how ugly, we learn about... from our mistakes. You have to exactly. learn from our mistakes. And boy, there are a lot of of mistakes that this country has 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 committed. But at the same time, we have improved on those. Why? Because we've learned well, from and, our mistakes. And I think one of the new mistakes is to try to define the whole country by our mistakes. Right? Saying this right. is a country rooted in mistakes, rooted in racism, you know, racism, and yep. systemic all you know, all that stuff. People do not believe that because it's not true, and they're trying to indoctrinate kids while also claiming that they're not. And and that's part of the thing that really frustrates folks when they're doing something aggressively while trying to lie at the same time that it isn't happening at all. But we can close the chapter here on this particular discussion after 187 years. Thomas Jefferson, that statue erected in his honor at City Hall in New York City, uh, it's gone. And the images of it being just you know lifted out were very dramatic and it's and very to me disgusting mm. and it also goes to and you kind of touched on this julie judging people who lived hundreds of years ago by modern standards and even within the last couple of years it seems like whatever counts as acceptable or woke it changes almost by the week or by the month let alone by the year or the decade to go back hundreds of years and say well we don't like x y or z about a titan like Thomas Jefferson, and therefore he has to be gone, with banished. We can't have this statue anymore. I would love to know what percentage of even liberal New Yorkers agree with that. I'd love to hear Chuck Schumer and AOC and other lawmakers in the state of New York asked about this, because I would imagine even most Democrats think this is crazy. I have to say, I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement, it's been good and bad. I mean, mostly bad here in the city because the mayor let it run out of control and it ended up turning into police brutality and, and crime. So it really did not you know, not much good here. But I mean, my own children and I have young kids, um, you know, my youngest or my middle child is just turned nine years old. I remember during Black Lives Matter, she was very interested in why, you know, there was this this uprising and why, you know, African-Americans were angry and why they felt the need to to stand up and protest for their rights to be treated as equals. And I liked the fact that they taught them this in their schools. My child understands why this movement came, um, you know, didn't just come out of nowhere. There are hundreds and hundreds of years of history, obviously, that lend to the Black Lives Movement. And my nine-year-old gets it, and that's because it's being taught to her in school. If you were to erase that in her history book, she would be like, why are all these angry black people around? I mean, I I want my children to know that there is a stain in our history and that we need to do better. We need not to judge people based on their color, creed, uh, and, and race. I mean, you need to teach this to our children. And by this is the type of example that I believe is just such a deterrent. It's a, it's such a it's it's an awful example to teach not only our youth but just New York City being a, a city full of 
of, of so much diversity and to pull down Thomas Jefferson's statue after 887 years. I mean, 1833 is when the statue went up, for God's sakes. I mean, we, we need to live in the times. We're not living yep. in 1833 just because the statue happened to be standing yeah. there since. Teach history, don't erase Thomas Jefferson, totally. and don't teach kids that the whole country is rotten to its core because yep. of racism. I think it's a balance that we can strike, but some people have no interest in that balance. Let's talk, Julie, about Thanksgiving, about being a mom for Thanksgiving. I saw that. We talked about it earlier. They're not allowing kids to participate in the Macy's uh, parade this year. Nonsense. Even though it's outdoors. I mean, it's just— So stupid. It's so stupid. I feel like our society is just being overrun by stupidity. What do you guys have on tap for your Thanksgiving? Do you guys host? Are you a cook? <laughs> I am last not a time cook. We were, oh, my God. You're not a cook. No, okay, hell no. So no. What is this like in your house? Though? Peanut butter and jelly. If it were up to me oh, on Thanksgiving, that's what I'd be no. serving. No, I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, I'm not going to serve them that because I don't serve them anything. I don't cook for my children. Um, but my mom actually is the one that does the Thanksgiving turkey. Thank God. Every single year. I usually do host at my home. But because I've been um, pretty much pushed out of the city, I, I moved out of the city during the pandemic, as you might know. So I now live two hours out of the city. But because I'm working all week. Two hours. I do. So now I live in Southampton, Long Island, which is two hours from here. And oh, yeah, that's a hike. It is. So when I come into the city for work, I stay in a hotel. So because I'm going to be working on Thanksgiving morning, my family is going to be getting in a car today with the two dogs, three kids. It's going to be an absolute, you know, what show? I don't think I can say that on this show. <laughs> no, please don't. It's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's actually the show I really star in, like all these other shows I do on Fox. <laughs> that's not the real show. You got to go on my Twitter and actually watch my behind the scenes. I did a Twitter live on Twitter over the weekend after I hosted a show from a van in my driveway Saturday and Sunday and my kids mm-hmm. ambush me and it just it gives you a slight taste of what I actually deal with when I'm not on the air. But That's right because you're doing the big Saturday, big Sunday I show. Did, been, I did. You do outnumbered, you do all right. that stuff but the real the real The star, real show the, is behind the scenes. Yes. It's right. when your the cameras turn show, off. Yeah. Your flagship is the S show yes. of your family life. Yes. It is the S show. I star in it. I direct <laughs> it and I produce it. Um, but I, but so anyway, so the family's going to be coming in. We're going to be staying in a hotel. My sister lives in the city, so we're going to be spending Thanksgiving with her, but I am going to have them stand in front of sixth Avenue, freezing their butts off while I'm anchoring America's newsroom inside, because it would, it would be the only right thing, of course. And I want them to see the parade because it's been canceled for like two years now. So I'm glad that it's back. It's weird that the kids are allowed to attend the parade. Right. But they can't participate like, so, in the parade. So like, what what's you're the saying? Yes. Yeah. So, like, basically, if you are standing on the parade route, you cannot get COVID. But if you're standing right. on a float, you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes no sense. And if you want the kids who are not vaccinated on the float, then put masks on them. I mean, for God's sakes, they mandated that in schools. You can't, you cannot tell me that it's okay to go to school with a mask, but it's not okay to stand on a Thanksgiving Day parade outside. Float outdoors? I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. And this you parade this is thing? about the kids. Hello, are you not yeah. missing like the whole point of this parade? Do you think all these adults are coming to watch the parade without children? Hell no. I'd be I'd rather be sitting on my couch drinking a tall cocktail than have to stand on this parade route. But I do it for the children. I think that's mostly correct. It's yeah. mostly directed towards kids. I mean, it's giant like blow up balloons of cartoons. I, of course, exactly. it's for kids. Like, are you like oh, we can't have any kids up on those floats outdoors right. because they might be unvaccinated. Instead, pack yourselves together along the parade route instead. Which is actually you're right. That's science. a great point. Which is way worse to have a bunch of people packed on the sidewalk than it is. Although standing it's outside, up so it's all fine anyway. Have yeah. you seen uh, this story about how some of these schools in New York? are forcing kids to eat their lunches outdoors, like even sitting on the ground 
in you know forty degree temperature eating their lunch outside, which is on just, the ground. That is absurd. And not only that, but that I mean, you know how like you know all of these cities love to. I mean, democratic cities love to. You know, whatever Anthony Fauci says is Bible, right? So he comes out and he says, okay, Thanksgiving, you're in the clear. You can get together with your family. Well, thank you, Dr. Fauci. I was going to do that anyway. But regardless of the matter, he has not said that it's okay. It's not okay for kids to eat indoors. They they wear their masks. They socially distance. They take their masks off and they eat their lunch. We haven't had one case of COVID in my kid's school since the beginning of this year. And that's what they've been doing. So sitting outside, that's just the local schools and the local, local mayor maybe, maybe, you know, putting pressure on schools unnecessarily uh, and it's just ridiculous it's, well, it's, it's theater it's theater and i think yeah. as a parent you're probably thinking look if they're going to be outrageous ridiculous draconian rules placed on my children i'm going to be the one to do that i'll be Not making these, the decisions uh, thank you these busy bodies yep. exactly well it sounds like you're going to be busy over these holidays doing a lot of anchoring at fox news so people can keep an eye out for that on the news channel they can also watch the s show on your social media yes at Julie Banderas on Twitter. And remind us you're at on Instagram. Um, it's Jules Bidwell because Bidwell is actually my um, legal last name. And my Instagram used to be private, which is why you probably didn't think to follow me back in the That's day. Why. And then a few years ago, I just made it public. So it's J-E-W-E-L-S, Jules Bidwell on Instagram. The people need to see it. Let's be honest. The people need oh, to see yeah. it. Oh, yeah. No, is... it's must-see social media. I, I think yeah, the Twitter that. Live got a lot of people thinking I should have a reality show. I'm not really sure Fox <laughs> would ever want that if they wanted me to maintain an ounce of credibility. But. Well, maybe Fox Nation, right? They, they'll put they'll put a lot of things well, on that's, Fox Well, that's what that... people thought. Fox Nation, there should be a reality show. But again, I still think I need to maintain some credibility when I go on the channel. So I don't know if that would go over so well. You <sighs> maybe have to you watch and my last Twitter Christine. Live. You and producer Christine can just get together and like do parenting tips while you guzzle wine. Yes. I, think I would probably watch that, actually. I do some of my best parenting a bottle down. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I really do. I'm not, it's not a joke. <laughs> Christi- Christine, do you see I what think I'm talking about now, guys? No, it's She's true. got a new best friend. Oh, my they, God. They're... Wait, and this didn't just start through the pandemic, mind you. I remember I used to tell my friends since I never had time to go out <laughs> before the pandemic or just having young children, period. I never. So my cocktail hour was when my child was sitting in a bathtub and I would sit and I'm talking six months to a year old. Um, as soon as I was done breastfeeding, of course. But um, yeah, I would have my child in the bathtub. I'd have my glass of red wine on the sink and I'd just sit there and make sure they didn't drown. And I was so I was responsible, but I did drink through those bath times. That was we my just need hour. to we need to fact check you here, Julie, because in a previous edition of Woke Tales, <laughs> uh, we learned that it is now not allowed to say breastfeeding anymore. It is now chest feeding and parents yeah, that's idiotic. milk. That's idiotic. It's breastfeeding. They come from your of- breasts. They don't come from your chest or you'd be breastfeeding guy. You have a chest. I have breasts. Just in case you didn't know that. I am very glad. You're this welcome. is like a little biology lesson here <laughs> at the tail end of this segment, which has gone off the rails, which is becoming a theme when we have Me? Julie Banderas on the show. We like it. And I think producer Christine is eager to go take her out for drinks right now because I think we've got some kindred spirits up in New York in studio. Julie Banderas, Fox News Channel anchor. We'll be watching Julie. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Cheers. Cheers to you. The Guy Benson Show Happy Hour continues next. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Happy hour on The Guy Benson Show. There's an editorial in The Wall Street Journal, so you can maybe guess who pitched this story. 
here at the Guy Benson Show. Quiet Wyatt, reading this morning at 4.30 a.m., I'm sure. Headline, censoring the pilgrims. The left wants to cancel the Wall Street Journal's annual Thanksgiving editorials. The editors write, no doubt it was only a matter of time. The progressives have come for our annual Thanksgiving editorials. They won't succeed, but we thought we'd share the tale with readers. They explain that since 1961, they run a pair of editorials on Thanksgiving, written by a former editor. The first is a historical account about the pilgrims in 1620. The second is a contemporary contrast from the mid-20th century about the progress a prosperous America has made. The editorials are popular with readers. It's a unifying holiday. But now there's a change.org petition with tens of thousands of signatures wanting the editorials to be canceled and stop running, calling them 17th century racism. Here's how the editorial ends from The Wall Street Journal. We don't mind giving critics a chance to make their case, but we won't bend to political demands for censorship. We will run the editorials as usual this week. Good for them, and I'll read them. I hope you do, too. It's the Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Happy almost Thanksgiving. It's the happy hour on the Guy Benson Show. Earlier on the program, we chatted with Jesse Waters, co-host of The Five, host of Waters World. You never know where things are going to go with Jesse, and today was fun as usual. Here's part of our chat with Waters World. I want to start with some of this Rittenhouse stuff. Kyle Rittenhouse appeared with Tucker Carlson last night. They really talked about a whole range of issues. In Cut 5, Rittenhouse reacted to Joe Biden, the president, whose campaign had portrayed Rittenhouse as a white supremacist. Here's what the freshly acquitted Rittenhouse had to say with Tucker, listen. Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. That's not a small thing to be called that. No, it's it's actual malice defaming my character for him to say something like that. Actual malice is the legal standard for a defamation lawsuit to succeed in the case involving a public figure. So I think that phrase, actual malice, that didn't come out of nowhere. My guess is uh, Kyle's having some conversations with some lawyers. And in fact, he said that's precisely what's happening in cut seven. I have really good lawyers who are taking care of that right now. Um, So I'm hoping one day there will be some, there will be accountability for their actions that they did. Okay. So you're, you're intent on not, you're not going to let that go. Uh, Like I said, really good lawyers are handling that. So he had some really terrible lawyers at first, including that nut Lynn Wood, who he revealed treated him horribly. And then he got much better lawyers. He has gotten not guilty verdicts across the board. And now it sounds like he is entertaining the idea of defamation lawsuits against some people. Jesse, your reaction to the interview last night? Hunter Biden might have to sell some more paintings because Joe might have to pony up some dough. This is a legit lawsuit. He was slandered with malice, I would add. Because you can't call someone a white supremacist with no evidence. Obviously, the facts were out there at the time when Biden said that. The video was out when Biden said that. So that was reckless disregard for the truth. And 
defamed this kid who now his defense lawyer says he's going to probably have to change his name. And he's going to Arizona State next year. Good luck with that. You know, to some he'll be a hero, but other people are going to want to knock his head off. So I don't see how he can go through life after this ever again. It's interesting that a a black militant sex offender with a felonious record mowed down, you know, at least 55 white people at a Christmas parade. And Joe Biden said he wanted to make sure the facts came out before he said anything. Yet two days after the incident in Kenosha happened, Joe Biden slandered Kyle Rittenhouse as a white supremacist murderer. So obviously, Guy, you know how the left rolls. If, if there's someone that's innocent of a certain color that they can exploit to pursue their radical agenda, they will. They don't care about the truth. They care about their plot line. But if something happens that kind of goes against the grain, they'll bury it. And that's why you don't even hear a lot from Joe Biden, Kamala, or the mainstream media about the situation. Well, they'll just it was they'll make up a narrative, right? The narrative is set in advance and they'll make up facts, quote unquote, to fit it, even if it doesn't apply. For example, the racial component of the Rittenhouse shooting, which was just all white people, but they decided it was racial, which is why so many folks out there, including many journalists, apparently believe that There were black people who were shot. I mean, that's how deep the misinformation runs on this story. We talked about it on the show yesterday in particular. And actually, Jesse, since you brought up the media and sort of these these plot lines that they establish well in advance, I have gotten now two in the last 24 hours, two text messages from left leaning friends who are genuinely surprised and confused about their preferred news organizations basically memory holding what happened already, what happened in Waukesha. My full interview with Jesse Waters and the entirety of today's show available online for free, on demand, just like it is every day on the podcast. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we come back, what I'm up to tonight, a cool opportunity. We'll tell you about that. Plus, some food picks, one more food debate on Thanksgiving week from the team here. That's next. For the full interview and more, go to GuyBensonShow.com. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show. I'll be off for the rest of the week. We have a great guest host tomorrow. Harry Hurley will have fantastic best ofs Thanksgiving and Friday. Tonight, I'm going to the arena here in D.C., for Dave Chappelle. I got invited sort of last minute. Adam and I are going. And I don't really know exactly what to expect. There's, I guess, some documentary about Chappelle. That's part of it. There'll be some other comedians. There'll be some music. There'll be this movie. Then Chappelle will come out and either lead a conversation or do stand-up. I don't even know. But someone's like, hey, do you want to go see Dave Chappelle? And the answer was a definite yes. We'll figure out the details later. And what's interesting is they apparently, in order just to walk through the door, you have to agree to put your cell phone in a locked pouch for the duration of your time inside the arena. They do not want anyone filming anything. This is a high level of secrecy, which is, I mean, I guess I get it. So I'll be uh, incommunicado for several hours tonight, which is fine. And where I think where some friends got a suite, so as long as there's, you know, some booze and some food, I'll be happy. 
and I'm sure Chappelle will say some things that are offensive to me. And guess what? I'll be okay with it. You can cringe, you can laugh, but I don't want him thrown off the stage or canceled. And the attempts to cancel him only made my interest stronger to go see him tonight. So maybe next week, Curious Christine can ask me all about the Chappelle experience. In the meantime, yesterday we were talking more about Thanksgiving food. And if you missed that home stretch, go back and check it out on the podcast. Because what you might, if you miss it, you might think what I'm about to say is a bit harsh. But I think many of you will agree with me when I declare right now that we're going to do this food quiz about Thanksgiving. But producer Christine is not invited to join the conversation because she has already made it clear her outright contempt for Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving food. And therefore, we're not going to allow an anti-Thanksgiving extremist to pollute our conversation about Thanksgiving food. She's serving beef and non-mashed potatoes at her Thanksgiving table, which is not even a Thanksgiving table. So I will be asking Quiet Wyatt and Dan for their thoughts on this. And there are four categories, and I'm going to mix it up just a little bit because in the online game that I saw that people are responding to, there's no limitations. You just list every item that you would want on your Thanksgiving plate. I'm going to limit it one per category times four. So we start with the protein, turkey, ham, chicken, and then we're going to put roasted squash in there as well, I guess, for vegetarians. If you have to pick one of those four for your Thanksgiving plate, turkey, ham, chicken, Roast squash, what are you picking? I believe there is one correct answer to this. I won't try to influence you too much. Wyatt, what are you picking? I mean, obviously it's turkey. Thank you. Dan? I'm picking turkey. Ham is for Easter. Chicken I eat all the time and no to roasted squash. There we go. Turkey is correct. Thank you. So that's number one. We all agree. Category two, this I think is actually the hardest category because I'm asking you to pick one. Mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, stuffing, or bread rolls. I would not mind all four of those, honestly. Mac and cheese I know is more regional. It's not really my thing, but mac and cheese is delicious. It kind of fits with the rest of the meal. Mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, stuffing, bread rolls. To me, choosing between mashed potatoes and stuffing is really hard because mashed potatoes is so good and it's such a staple of the feast But stuffing is quintessentially Thanksgiving, and you really only eat it at Thanksgiving, whereas mashed potatoes you eat year-round with steak and other things. Wyatt, what are you picking from this category? Um, I'm going to have to go with mashed potatoes because I am just not a fan of stuffing. Mm, mm -mm. Well, that's not a disappointing answer. I think that's a defensible answer, but I'm sad that you don't like stuffing. You definitely would not like my dad's stuffing that he makes as a side pot, which has oysters in it. Nope, shaking his head. No, he wants no part of that. Dan, what do you pick? Well, first of all, mac and cheese seems like it would be at Christine's Thanksgiving anyways, so I don't want that at all. Um, I'm picking mashed potatoes um, because I do the little hole in it and I put the gravy in and the peas on it. Yes, You have to do that for Thanksgiving. I think I'm going with mashed potatoes as well. As much as I do like stuffing, I prefer mashed potatoes, and gravy is such an essential component of a Thanksgiving meal. And the number one 
sort of avenue for gravy consumption is via mashed potatoes. You can put it on your turkey. You can put it on your stuffing. But it makes the most impact and is most delicious and looks most palatable in that little crater that you make in your mashed potato dollop. That's exactly right. So it's the gravy add-on that leads me to go with mashed potatoes. But if you're scoring at home and you went with stuffing, I I salute that choice. That is a completely acceptable choice. All right. Here come the vegetables. This is round three. On your Thanksgiving plate, do you want salad, green bean casserole, Brussels sprouts, or stuffed mushrooms? Wyatt. One thousand percent green bean casserole that is hot and not like a salad like christine now christine's cold green bean casserole just disgusting just a slimy freezing mess dan so christine's green bean casserole cold kind of turned me off to it um so i I was gonna say that one but now i'll go brussels sprouts throw a little maple syrup and some bacon on there and they're fantastic yeah i mean respectable again i think that that's an okay answer i like brussels sprouts i don't dislike i eat a lot of salad It's not a Thanksgiving thing for me. I know, again, regionally, some people eat salad at Thanksgiving. We do not. The only green thing on the table is green bean casserole. We have all the ingredients. We found the crispy onions with no problem, by the way. That's another thing Christine said. Oh, we couldn't find it. Just uh, one one failure after another over there on Isora Lane for this meal coming up on Thursday. But not at my house, not at Wyatt's house. Green bean casserole, your correct answer from my perspective. And then this one is uh, – I'm giving everyone just a total free pass uh, because I have a, a slight answer. I don't have a huge sweet tooth. Dessert is your final choice. Final category, pumpkin pie, pecan pie, sweet potato pie, apple pie. Wyatt? So, Guy, this is my specialty as a pie maker. This is actually my first year <laughs> not in the bakery uh, at the orchard in five years this is the first time I've not been making pies for Thanksgiving. So, But I would have to go with apple pie, 100%, with a little bit of uh, ice cream. you got to do it. Vanilla ice cream? Vanilla ice cream. Okay. Dan? See, in my opinion, there is only one correct answer in this category, and that is pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. <sighs> I mean, that's it, a fair answer. Like, I look at this. So sweet potato pie I'm ruling out. I'm sure it's great and some people like it. That's fine. I'm ruling that out. Pumpkin pie, I just don't really like pumpkin-flavored things in general. I like pumpkin ice cream is the one exception. Pumpkin pie has just never been my favorite, although if you're going to eat it, Thanksgiving Day is the day to do it, and that's it. Pecan pie, I think, is absolutely delicious, and it's a little warm. Put on that a la mode, little vanilla ice cream. That also screams Thanksgiving. i kind of leaning pecan pie. But I just like apple pie the best, and it's pure America. And Thanksgiving is pure America, which is why Christine hates it so much. So with an honorable mention to the two peas, so pumpkin and pecan, I think I'm just going to go with apple. And yes, it is not necessary but very helpful to have either some whipped cream right, or some ice cream. And then the food coma sets in. So my answers to recap, turkey, mashed potatoes, green bean casserole, apple pie. And all of it would be vastly diminished without gravy and cranberry sauce. And we like our homemade, tart, acidic, 
fresh, bright cranberry sauce, not the sliced gelatin stuff, although that also has a place. The other reason I like cranberry sauce as much as I do is putting it with some mayo on the sandwiches the next like two or three days, turkey sandwiches with a little cranberry sauce in there. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, that's the other thing that Christine is depriving her family of. Not just turkey and mashed potatoes and proper green bean casserole on Thanksgiving, but the leftovers for turkey sandwiches with the cranberry sauce. Christine, you've been banished from this conversation and that entire debate. Do you have a response? By the way, she's been dying to turn her mic on this whole time. It's been really I'm glad funny you've been keeping watch. it off. It's like <laughs> yes. it's like a child lock in a car on the window. She's been trying. She's like, let it down. And you're like, no, Cookie. But now we will let her speak. She gets a brief response. I think something better than having a turkey leftover sandwich is a nice thin sliced prime rib on like, you know, a, a warm roll with a little au jus. Come on, that's so much better. I'm telling you, I'm winning the Thanksgiving game, and you're just hating. No, you're winning nothing. People are dropping out. People are quitting. They don't even know that they're not getting mashed potatoes yet. They're going to learn that. They should. This is why people need to listen to the show. For all the uh, witticisms, all the insight, all the great guests, fresh and fun and fast and whatever else we call it, but also guests coming to Christine's house need to be warned about what is about to uh, befall them. Should they make the strategic error of accepting the invitation, apparently, on a major holiday? What are you guys going to do next? Like, I'm trying to think, like homemade uh, hummus and homemade sashimi on the 4th of July? Well, you'll, have, uh, you'll have fireworks that spell out USSR? We do have a little situation for Christmas that we can talk about, but um, I've ruined my mother's menu by taking the prime rib. For Thanksgiving. So you stole the Christmas meat and Mm -hmm. put it at Thanksgiving gratuitously for no good reason. This makes it worse. Not only have you done what you've done, you've done it in a dishonorable way to your own mother. That's just, I'm speechless. I, is it okay to rescind invitations to Christmas parties? No. To people who who so clearly have nothing but deep-seated contempt for holidays? I I might need to check in with some lawyers on that. You don't want to do that because then you're going to miss out on the fabulous, fabulous gift I'm bringing. Is it'll, the it will present, only take about an hour or two to assemble. Is it? I was going to say the present is probably your presence, and perhaps a giant inflatable, which I actually don't have a problem with if, if we're allowed to literally, like Katie Pavlich can come. She's she's will be at the party. She can come armed, packing as she often is, and we can we can shoot the inflatable. If you're okay with that, although I'm just a little worried about where the bullet would end up. Let's let's um let's get to Christmas after Thanksgiving, which is part of our mantra here. Happy Thanksgiving one and all. Have a wonderful time with your family, a wonderful meal because you're not a Christine's And we'll be back here next Monday. Excellent shows the next few days as well. GuyBensonShow.com for everything. Happy Thanksgiving. We will talk to you very soon. Good night.
Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.